Well, amen. We've had an awesome time of worship, haven't we? And I, and I trust you have also out there in Midlothian. What a great morning. Man, I hope you've had a great week. We have had a, a tremendous week here at, at the Heights with Vacation Bible School going on. We ran upwards close, I think, to 800 uh, every single day. And uh, yeah, isn't that awesome? And we had uh, on Thursday, uh, we had 43 children make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that exciting? We, a- we actually had a- another 30 that-, that also came forward with them, and we're still just in kind of process. You know, small children want to counsel, want to make sure they, they understand. So just a-, a great response that morning. And of course, I'm aw- and I see that happening. I'm always so grateful for all those that served and worked because they're the ones who gave us that opportunity to present the gospel like that. And we had so many do that. I, I just think it's important to take a moment and acknowledge them. If you served in Vacation Bible School this week in any capacity, would you stand up out there at Midlothian also? I saw several from that campus all over. Let's just thank them and acknowledge them all over here for their, their hard work. It was, it was the best vacation Bible school ever. Yeah. I, now, I know I say that at the end of every one, but it, 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 hey, praise God, it feels like that at the end of every one. Amen. It's, it's been a great week. You know, I don't know about y'all. You know, you got different markers that kind of carry you through the year. For me, Vacation Bible School is one. When I hit Vacation Bible School, I feel like, man, we're powering right through summer. Summer, summer's going to be gone any moment now. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about that this week because, of course, we were in the middle of Bible school. And it dawned on me, this is already our fifth message in the heaven series. I was like, I thought I'd done like one. You know, with that, we were just getting started in this and, and yet we've already done five messages or today will be the fifth one. So I thought what I would do to start this morning is just do a real quick summary. You know, I know with summertime, especially a lot of, a lot of in and out and vacation and everything, you might hear one of these and think, hey, I want to, I want to hear that one. And of course you can hear, uh, you can hear, you can share all of our messages are online. Go to theheightsonline.com and you can hear those. You can download them for free. Uh, we have a church app. I think a, a lot of you, I think, use that. You go to the Google App Store and, and uh, search for the Heights uh, Baptist Church. There's actually a couple Heights Baptist Church, but you'll notice our logo in there. And uh, man, you can get the sermons, devotionals, Bible reading plan. I mean, there's a lot in there that's very beneficial, uh, not just with easy access to the sermons. We've had over 4,000 downloads of our app. So that, that's going beyond our church. That's kind of exciting. So, but maybe check that out. So quick, quick summary. Where have we been so far with heaven? The first week, we looked at why do we need a heaven? And I thought, well, how about one simple word? Death? That's a pretty good reason we need heaven, isn't it? But we looked at, we looked at three things that day, three reasons uh, that we need heaven. You'll see them up here. We said, first of all, justice. Now, now there's justice on this earth, but, but it's never complete. Only in heaven can we find a justice that completely eradicates and punishes evil, but also fully restores and rewards good. Heaven does that. Second reason we need heaven is for, for hope. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of good things in this world, folks, but it can all fail. 
It, it can all disappoint. It will all come to an end. We, we need something eternal, something that lasts. Heaven gives us that hope that maybe helps us drive through the difficulty of this world. And, and then our last reason we, we talked about why we need heaven is because that's where God fulfills promises eternally. That's where prayers are answered eternally. Now, now prayers are answered here. Promises are fulfilled here, but by the very nature, anything that happens here is temporary, right? It, it, it doesn't last. I mean, God can, God can heal. We're still going to die, <laughs> okay? It comes to an end here. So heaven is where it happens, and it lasts forever. Second reason, or a, a second thing that we looked at is, can we know that we're going to heaven. Okay, we've, we, we, we talk about heaven. Can we know that we're going there? And we saw in that message that, that there's a membership. I mean, there, there's actually a book. I mean, your name's in it or, or your name's not in it. And, and what we saw from the, the mouth of Jesus is that most are not members. Most are not going. That, that might sound harsh. That might sound judgmental. But, you know, when you stop and think about it, folks, I mean, you just take today alone. Six out of seven people on the planet have rejected Christ as a Messiah. And so that the fact that most are not going is not a failure on God's part. It's not a, a negligence on God's part. Matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. God has made it possible for everyone to be a member. He's made it possible for everybody to go to heaven. And not only made it possible, but to answer our question, yes, you can know. He's done it in a way that you can have absolute security, absolute confidence that whenever that day comes, your name's in membership, that, that you will be going to heaven. Then a third thing we looked at was where we go when we die. Y'all remember that message? We talked about how we use heaven and hell as just these kind of general terms that, you know, when you die, you go up or you go down. You kind of go to heaven and we really don't we really don't detail it out much beyond that, when in reality, the Scripture does. The, the Scripture gives a lot of detail about a variety of things that happen and, and different orders of things. And we saw that heaven and hell are actually future events. There, there is a heaven that is going to be delivered. There is a hell that is going to be delivered, which then makes you ask, well, where do we go now? And it's not that it's inappropriate to use the word heaven or hell, but probably the more accurate term would be paradise and Hades. And in paradise, man, you're in God's presence. And, and the joy of heaven begins. In hell, you're se separated from God's presence and the, the misery of hell begins. And I, I think that one maybe connected some dots and maybe answered some questions for some folks. And then last week, we, uh, man, we had a lot of fun last week, didn't we? Just thinking about what heaven is going to be like. And I introduced you to my dog buddy named after our campus pastor. And I thought, you know, I wonder if today I could enter, I have a ferret that I call Ronnie. And, and, and I thought, you know, maybe I could, but it, it just didn't fit today. So I, 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 I actually don't have a ferret called Ronnie. But, uh, but uh, last week, we, man, we thought about what heaven was like. And you remember, we went back to, we went back to Genesis. Not, not maybe the normal place we would think of going to think about heaven. But folks, we already seen what God has shown us in a perfect world. 
We've got an idea of what God would do, of what God would design in a perfect world. And we see that in the Garden of Eden where there's trees and, and an animal kingdom. And, and it's very physical. We tend not to think of heaven as a very physical place. But, but in a perfect world, God created these, these physical things. And, and we said, hey, you know what? Those things there, we can transfer those ideas into heaven. And, and so we said we can take the best things of this life. The best things, if we're trying to imagine, Randy Alcorn uses the words uh, a biblical imagination. And a biblical imagination is where you take the truth of what the scripture is saying and then maybe imagine a little bit, extrapolate a little bit beyond that. And, And so you try to imagine, hey, the very best things in this world without any mixture of sin without any mixture of death, without any mixture of fear. Because when we're enjoying our best day and the best things, there, there's still fear of sin and death all around us, isn't there? But, but heaven won't be like that. Real place with real people doing real things. And that's kind of a segue to where we're going today. What are those real things that we're doing? We want to look at today, what are we going to be doing up there forever and ever, right? What, what are we going to be doing? And man, I hope that we can take last week's message, this week's message, and really get it solidified in our heart and mind that heaven's not boring, right? Now, I'm, I'm not suggesting a lot of you were living out there with a real anxiety that heaven just might not be all it's cracked up to be. You know, I think this place sounds boring to me. I'm not sure. But you're, you remember in our first message, I said, when, you know, we tend to think about heaven, it, it just kind of stays blank a lot of the times. What's it look like? What are we doing? And it's, it's blank. Well, if, you, if all we got is blank, that's not very inspiring, is it? That's not very motivating. That's not the hope that, that God gave to us. So we're trying to fill in some of these details and see how awesome and significant being in heaven and, and living in heaven is, is going to be. And and folks, we're not going to float around with just a big plastic smile on our face forever and ever. We're going to live significant, meaningful, productive lives in heaven. Here again, we see what God's mind was, what God's design was in a perfect world. Let's go back again to Genesis. It says, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, subdue it. That's That's a work, isn't it? Go go out there, get control of this thing. Get order over this thing and have dominion. Administrate, rule. He's saying, hey, listen, I've created this thing. We're going to call the earth a little piece of my creation. And I'm giving you the job, the work to manage this piece of my creation, to take care of it. Again, in Genesis 2, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to to work it and, and, and to keep it. So see, folks, right there in a perfect world, in God's perfect design, he had us working. He, he had us doing some things. And it's not that just God looked down at us and said, oh, I got to give them something to do. I got to keep them busy or they'll get in trouble. No, that, that's not what he was saying. Folks, work, meaningful living co- comes out of God's character. As a matter of fact, we see commands in scripture where he really despises, probably the word we would use, laziness multitude of passages about that. Just a couple here. The soul of the sluggard, okay, what what does the lazy person get? Nothing. But I'll tell you, the life that gets blessed is the one that's diligent, that's disciplined, that's planned, that is working. 
Second Thessalonians 3.10, if anyone's not willing to work, let them not eat. You know, what we see, folks, in these, in these commands is the character of God, and His character is work. It's meaningful, productive living. Now, okay, now let's not get scared about working in heaven, okay? First of all, Psalm 127 says that sleep is a gift, amen? Yeah, sleep is a gift. The, the Ten Commandments, I mean, the, the Ten Big Rules, right? You realize one of the rules is a command to what? Rest. Rest. God gives us the, the Sabbath, what I would call now the Sabbath principle. Work six days. And by the way, today I'm using the word work a lot. And when we hear the word work, we tend to think of employment, right? What, what we do to, to punch, a, che- or punch a, a clock and to get that paycheck, what we do at a certain place. Obviously that's work. But folks, it's work to care and manage for a house. It's work to do chores, to run errands. It's work to be a, a vital contributing member of a church. It's a work to be a vital contributing member of a community. Isn't that kind of what do something is all about? Man, let's let the people of God be out there on the forefront of doing something to make our community a better place. We shouldn't be back here watching, huddled in our little house of worship. Man, we should be out there on the front lines working to make the place better. That All of that stuff is work. And God says that's what should be filling up your six days. But on the seventh day, rest. So folks, God is, God is completely for sleep and, and rest and vacation and play. But God is also really all about work and creativity and and meaningful purposeful living now somebody might ask that you know what pastor these last two weeks you've you have been going back to genesis you've been grabbing things back there and throwing them forward into the future or taking commands like this these, these things showing the character of god and and putting that out there in the future how do you know you can do that I mean, is that appropriate to say we can, we can, we can transfer like this? That's a good question. Here is one verse why I believe we can do something like that. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, back there in the Garden of Eden. Today, right here in 2014 in a fallen world. And tomorrow, out there in heaven, Jesus Christ is the same. He, he, he doesn't change His ideas of perfection, the commands that came out of that perfection, whether they came to us a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, five, hey, those that came back, it's the same today. Do you know why, why God doesn't change? You know, if, if we said, if I said, well, I don't change, you'd think I was being stubborn, right? Almost maybe even arrogant. There's a reason God never changes. He's perfect. Where, where does perfection go? He, he's perfect in everything he is, in everything that he does. See, change implies that we learn something. Change implies that we can evolve. Change implies that we need to fix something. Folks, none of those things are going to be ever true of God. He doesn't need to evolve. He doesn't need to fix something he did. He, he, he doesn't need to, to learn. He's perfect. Perfection doesn't need to change. Man, we sang this morning, great is thy faithfulness. He faithfully loves. That love is perfect. He he doesn't love you more on your best day, and he doesn't love you less on your worst day. He loves you perfectly every day. 
Isn't that awesome, by the way? Can we just applaud God for that? Yeah. I think a little praise there on that one. Yeah, so, so he, doesn't, he doesn't need to change. So when I'm looking at the way God did something yesterday, I can absolutely assume that's the same thing that he would be doing tomorrow. Now, folks, I, I get it. When we start talking about heaven, you start thinking about work. And boy, when I thought about heaven, I, I'll be honest with you, I sure never thought about work. <laughs> well, folks, you know what? That is probably one of the last things we carry with us to heaven. Because work has really been touched by fallenness. Do you realize when Adam and Eve fell in sin, God detailed a couple of places. Now, it, it touched much more than what God detailed in Genesis 3. But it's like God highlighted, boy, here's a few places a sinful choice is really going to punch you in the gut. And do you know one of the things he mentioned? Work. Man, he said, in a fallen world, work is going to mean you're going to sweat. It's going to be frustrating. There, there's going to be combat. I, I, there's going to be days you work and you work and you work, and it doesn't produce. It doesn't do what you intended. There's going to be days you work and it just fails. It, it just doesn't happen. And so a lot of our experience with work is, is directly related to a fallen world. And so it's hard to transfer that and, and, and think of work in heaven. And there's a lot of work that is directly related to living in a fallen world. I mean, you know, there's one thing we will not do in heaven. We won't do medicine in heaven, right? I'm sorry for our doctors and dentists and nurses in here. Uh, you know, awesome work. We need you a lot here. Not so much in heaven, right? Okay, that won't be a job. Hey, policemen, I love our police, okay? Won't, won't need a lot of them in heaven, will we? See, we got a lot of jobs that are directly related to living in a fallen world. Yeah, that kind of work won't, won't go on from here. But, but folks, a lot of the work may very well go on from here. You know, I, I can't say what job is going to be there or what, well, I can say on some of them, I can't say what jobs will. I know they're going to be fully satisfying. I know it's going to be fully satisfying, fully meaningful to be working in a way that contributes to, to the community of heaven. You know, I, I think there'll be some in here. I think there'll be some in here that'll be a, a, a master chef. I mean, we get to enjoy good food in heaven. I, nowhere does it say God will snap his fingers and, and the table will be full. I think somebody will make it. I think somebody's going to be really good at making it. There may be a ballerina in here. Hey, we're all up in soccer this year, right? Maybe a midfielder in heaven. Maybe, maybe a quarterback. Hey, we talked a moment. Management. God gave a piece of, of his creation and said, manage this. Well, well, in heaven, the entire universe will be at, at our disposal. Maybe we'll be managing different pieces of God's creation in that way. Maybe some of us will be exploring, maybe some inventing, maybe some will be involved in technology. Will technology be in heaven? Why not? I mean, what, what, what would you take out of scripture and say, here's why I know no essence of technology would be in heaven. Now, again, I know, boy, this doesn't sound like any heaven I've ever heard of. But, but folks think, let's go back. How did God originally design us when he was moving and working perfectly? He designed us with intelligence. He designed us with the ability to make choices. He designed us to be creative, to explore, and to invent. Have you ever made something and then just stayed back and then been so blessed to watch it actually do what you designed it to do? 
been so excited to see it work. I'm not real big at making things. So whenever I make something and it works, that's a huge day. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a big thing. Well, folks, why would it be any different from God? He designed us. He made us this way. What joy when he steps back and he sees us being intelligent and creating and designing. Why would we not be doing that in heaven? Why would we not be doing that? I, I, I believe that we will. And, and, and folks, again, whatever it is that we'll be doing or not doing, the real joy of it is that we'll be bringing joy to God. You know, folks, there's a verse, there's a command on your life and on my life as we do whatever we're going to do tomorrow. And, and that command is there, but boy, we sure can't do it very well. We certainly can't do it perfectly. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do. Now, remember, work encompasses not just the paycheck. It encompasses everything. Listen, whatever you do tomorrow, man, if it's getting in the car and going to work, if it's piling the kids in the car and running errands, that's a joy, isn't it? Uh, Karen loves taking the boys to Michael's. That's just a big, big moment. Uh, you know, whether it's running errands, doing chores, maybe you're going on vacation. Hey, listen, whatever you do, hey, work heartily. Work with passion. You know what steals some of the joy out of working? That jerk of a boss that's going to get an advance because of our hard work, right? You know, they, they, they take advantage, they get the credit, it, it comes up under their commission. And, and I mean, hey, there, a lot of times our inability to be excited, our inability to be passionate is directly related to people around us and how they might benefit from it. Hey, this passage says, hey, listen. You can work passionately and heartily because at the end of the day, you serve the Lord Christ. Everything you're doing, you want to point to Him. You want to, you want to exalt Him. You want it to go to Him. And at the end of the day, the paycheck comes from Him. At the end of the day, the reward comes from Him. So work passionately. Folks in heaven, we're going to get to do that perfectly. We're going to get to work in a way that exalts Him. We're going to get to work in a way that, that doesn't just show how smart and, and intuitive I am, but the God who made it that way. We're going to get to work so that he is exalted. Kind of a good segue here, folks, to kind of wrap up this morning. You know what the great work of heaven is? It's worship. It's worship to, to work in a way. You know, folks, worship is when we see something, hear something, experience something, come to understand something about God that leads us to acknowledge Him as God. And that acknowledgement comes out in praises. It comes out in song. It comes out in a work that will point to Him and exalt Him. Folks, when we're doing that, we reach the zenith of our creation we reach the absolute high point for why we exist. And you won't know a more satisfying, meaningful moment in your life. And that's how we get to spend eternity. You know, it's interesting when I say we're going to worship in heaven. And that probably is not news to a lot of us. We absolutely would have the idea, okay, now in heaven we worship. But, but I wonder, you know, when I think about maybe being a quarterback... Or, or, or a manager, or maybe I'll do this or that. Well, that. That's kind of exciting. That's kind of intriguing. We try to imagine that. Do we get a sense of excitement? Do we get a sense of intrigue when we say that the great work of heaven is going to be worship? Probably not. 
And, and think, about, think about who I'm saying that to. I'm saying that to a group of people that like to worship, right? I, I mean, a, a lot of us in here, we're, we have been this past month, this past year, some of us for decades very committed to making this moment a part of our lives. We value this. We believe this is important. And we would say, yes, I want to I worship in heaven. But do we get a, a sense of excitement about that? You, you know, I think worship on this earth, a lot like work, we've never really fully experienced it. I mean, I mean if we're honest, we do a lot of worship. It, it's boring. It, didn't even understand what just happened there, <laughs> what was said there. Don't like it, right? I mean, hey, every one of us in this room has heard a conversation about the song or about the sermon or what that person said or, God forbid, what that person was wearing. You know, I mean, hey, and that's real. I mean, that, that's very real. And by the way, just by even acknowledging that, I foster our biggest problem in worship. I don't know if this is true around the world, but boy, in America, we've turned worship into a, a spectator sport. And so I come in and I sit down in here almost in the exact same way that I would sit down on Broadway or at Commonwealth 20 or that I might go to the game. And I sit there and I evaluate, am I comfortable? Do I like my seat in the leg room? The Coke was flat. Did, did, did I, could I see well? Did I like what I heard? And we just become evaluators and critics of what's going on. Was I blessed today? Was I fed today? Was I inspired today? And by the way, folks, I wouldn't go to a church where I wasn't blessed and fed and inspired. I'm not knocking those things. Those are realities of our experience. The only problem is we begin to think we're the center of worship. Folks, you've heard, it, you've heard this said a hundred times. It's an audience of one. Only God is to be watching what is going on here. The rest of us are being engaged. Right now, you're engaged, giving devotion and attention to God's word and, and God's thoughts. That's an act of worship. Singing passionately, an act of worship. Loving intensely, that's an act of worship. You know, I wonder how many people today walked into our church. I wonder how many people today walked into any house of worship in America today, and forefront on their mind, walking in, forefront in their prayers when they got up was, God, how can I bless and serve you when I arrive there this morning? God, how will I bless and serve the people around me? Because I know when I'm blessing and serving the people around me, I even more bless and serve you. What, what, what percentage today of the people who walked into this house or any house of worship, what percentage would you say? Would, would we even put it over 50%? Ah, well, let's just end this discussion. That's a whole nother message. You know what, folks? Here's the good news. None of what I'm describing is what we're talking about in heaven. It'll be a worship that at its purest form because we will see God perfectly. We'll acknowledge God perfectly. We'll be loving and acknowledging each other perfectly. So here, here, here's what we're going to do in heaven. We're still working with this biblical imagination, okay? Imagine your best busyness. Imagine your most fulfilling hobby. Imagine the most satisfying project you've, you've ever been a part of. And, and then here's the hard part, but let's see if we can imagine. Let's, let's mix that together with the best, most inspirational, most powerful worship experience we've ever had on this earth. That's what we're going to be doing forever and ever, day after day. Amen? Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a gift. 
What a gift you have created for us. What a place you are preparing for us. I get to possess this. I get to be a member of this place. Not because of my goodness. Not because of how well I've managed this creation you've laid in our hands called earth. I get to do that because of your perfect love. I get to do that because you faithfully forgive. Oh God, I pray that you would use this series in my heart and life, in our heart and lives, to just really get heaven up there on the forefront. That we keep it on the front burner. Oh, the the joy of heaven, the, the... The excitement of just biblically imagining what a difference that can make to our days when things are broken around us, when people are hurting each other, when we have failed. God, you tell us what our heart and mind is to be focused on. It's on you. And it's on the good you have for us. And Lord, in this earth, we can't always see that good. So I, became, I pray we become more and more, more aware of your word. We become more aware of the heaven that you have for us. And that actually motivates us to forgive and to serve and to love and to sacrifice. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for heaven. I look forward to the work and the busyness of what we will do there. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.